coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Rainbow. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley, and I'm the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions. And I am joined today by my two co-hosts, Stan Wilson Lee. Hello, hello, hello. Weird. And Chris Wilson Barnes. <laughs> okay, what am I doing? Oh, I'm listening to a podcast. Oh, wait, I'm on a podcast. Exactly. You thought we sorted that out. One. Please stop saying things like that. Uh, So this month we are kicking off our Christopher Nolan filmography discussion. And uh, we are going to start with the, depending on where you look, either 2000 or 2001 film Memento. Uh, Memento is a film most uh, well known for being told almost completely in reverse, which is a reflection of its main character's um, I'm not sure how to uh, describe it. His affliction, let's say. Condition. Uh, his condition. There we go. His severe medical condition. Yep. Uh, our main character's name is Leonard Shelby, played by Guy Pierce, and uh, anterior grade amnesia. Yep, anterior grade amnesia. That's he not was, his name. His name is Guy Pierce. The inability to form memories. Short the, new uh, yes, memories. Yes, the inability to form new short-term memories. Leonard's wife was in a uh, well, the victim of a home invasion, and while trying to save her, he suffered a head injury, and. Uh, has been spending the intervening time since the injury trying to track the person who broke into his home and killed his wife, or so he thinks. This is, um, I always joke that either this or Pulp Fiction is my favorite film. Just It just depends on which one I watched last. Ah. So we watched Pulp Fiction last year, now we're watching Memento, so this is back to my number one slot. Uh, so we're going to start off the discussion, uh, and... I should say, as I always do, this movie is 20 or 21 years old, so we're going to be, be talking about spoilers. Oh, uh, yeah, it'll be the, the release of it, at least on home video and everything, it'll be 20 years this year. And uh, if you listen to these podcasts, having not seen the movie, thinking to yourself, I can piece together what it's about through their discussion, you are not going to be able not to do for that this with one. this film. If no. you have not seen it, I highly recommend stopping here, going and finding it. Uh, I think you rented it on... Prime. Uh, I got Prime three ninety nine. Yeah, you can rent it for three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. Highly recommended. It's <clears> still pretty cheap to find on Blu ray or DVD. Yeah, you can do that too. Um, Even the collector's one that you have that came out in two thousand two mm-hmm. was it two thousand one or two thousand two? Two. That version is still pretty inexpensive to find on eBay. <clears throat> yeah, so I have this extremely frustrating version. I love they got it. Super clever. <clears throat> they got too clever for their own good with the DVD like collector's edition release because it's designed to look like a patient's file folder. When you pop in the disc to watch the movie, it's a two disc set. Um, in order to watch it, you literally have to go. It's like a word association, a word association type menu, yeah. and you have to find the word "watch" and click on it. And the other words that you can click on do other things, like they turn on the commentary, they take you to the other options that you have. The second disc, however, mm-hmm. which I accidentally popped in first and got very frustrated by, in order to access the special features, <clears throat> you have to go through a series of fake uh, psychological exams. Yeah, fake psychological tests or psychiatric. I think, yeah, um, yeah. I made. Yeah, I got very frustrated before I realized I had put in the wrong disc. And there's a bunch of <clears throat> hidden ones. Like I saw, I, like I sent, uh, like after I watched it and I looked up about it because you were telling me about how. <laughs> Yeah, one of the special features is you can watch the movie in chronological order. Yeah, it's it's and it's something you have to do by doing a certain series of things. You have to hit a hit a specific picture, then it takes you to um, then it takes you to like a four picture thing. You have to pick the pictures in the right order, and then you can do it. And I and I I bailed out. I I, try, I almost started doing it, and I bailed out on it. I told Dave because. What it does is it just it starts you at the end of and then runs the credits backwards and then starts running the scenes in order chronological chronologically order. as they were <clears throat> and I was like and you cannot 
I, I'm sure you can pause. I just didn't try, mm-hmm. but you cannot fast forward or rewind in any manner. You're committed. Yeah. <laughs> so the film is uh, the film is told in two kind of timelines. There are black and white sequences which are in chronological order, and each scene follows the one before it. Then there are the color segments, which are the majority of the movie, in which the scenes are completely reversed. So each scene after the first one ends with the beginning of the scene that you saw previously. If that sounds confusing, it well, is. It's not it's it's not yeah, it's not like running backwards. It's just you get the the scene the you start at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, for example, the very first scene is uh Leonard talking to the uh day clerk at this uh, motel that he's staying at mm-hmm. about whether or not he has seen a guy or if he recognized a person in a photo and then the person in the photo, uh, Teddy played by Joe Pantoliano shows up the next scene after that, after the black and white segment is Leonard <clears throat> taking Teddy's photo down to the main office, having a conversation with the guy at the desk and then asking him if he knows the guy in the photo, which leads into Joey pants character showing up yeah so it's on like that throughout the whole movie yeah you have an i think someone online said it best you have an anchor point in each scene that it basically is like that's the point where the next scene picks up and it fills in yeah and it though it's very cleverly designed and directed because in every scene you have no idea what preceded the events in this scene which is exactly how leonard is perceiving them due to his condition uh he completely forgets what just happened uh, every five to ten. Sometimes he can make it as long as maybe 15 minutes. As long as he's concentrating as hard as possible and writing down what he's... Yeah. Um, but once he loses focus, whatever just happened is completely gone. His his brain essentially functions like how we think a goldfish does. Mm-hmm. So our first topic of discussion, um, based on the ending of the movie... Is Leonard done now? And just in case you haven't seen the movie or it's been a while, I'll give a very quick recap, which is basically Teddy, Joey Pants' character, is an undercover cop who has been pointing Leonard in the direction of various people that fit what Leonard thinks is the description of the second attacker in his home invasion. And as we find out, the person that Leonard killed chronologically at the start of the story, but at the beginning, uh, God, at the end of the film is only one of many. We don't know how many people that Leonard has killed thinking that this person was a second attacker. And, uh, Teddy basically confesses to Leonard that he has been manipulating him for different reasons. So this causes, this sets in motion Leonard's plan to make Teddy, who also fits the description of what he's looking for Mm -hmm. out to be his next victim, thus potentially ending the cycle without Teddy there to point him in this direction. Leonard can achieve some sort of freedom. So my question is, we'll start with Stan is Leonard done now that he has killed Teddy. I'm going to have to say yes. In the sense, if he has continued doing what he's been doing to keep himself organized in the sense because he has created this thing for himself to where he's totally meticulous, totally organized. And as long as he has a pen, he writes stuff down on the Polaroids that he's taken, he takes pictures of everything. And it, it, it's way back in the day. So um, he was using a Polaroid camera to mm-hmm. take Polaroid shots. So they'd be done in pretty much instantly at that time. And, um, and then he would write notes on the photos to keep him keep him track or he would like something that he could put on that because he's created this giant map of the town he's in to uh, know where he's going and to follow his path and to retrace his steps if he needs to retrace his steps. Um, so if he continues that, if he's continuing that and he writes on the, you know, right now he has um, uh, Teddy, do not believe his lies right so if he continues on that path and he says i got him because there's a because he's also doing tattoos Mm -hmm. on his own body and he has a space on his left breast uh under underneath his nipple um that's open for to put in and it's like that was oddly specific (laughs) but also it's like on his pack it's above his nipple it's is it that i thought yeah it's i thought the i thought the long one is, is it 
Yeah. Okay. All right. It's, so it's above his. Uh, as I, I was trying yeah. to geographically, it's like, no, you're right. It, it is above. It's an um, above nipple. Above nipple. Yes. And um. Uh, and so he's got all these tattoos that are notes to himself mm-hmm. of what he, why he's doing what he's doing. Some he's done. Reminded, some he's had other exactly, people do. Exactly. And there's a moment and a flashback where, or a flash forward, if we can call it a flash forward, I, I don't know. It's more of a fantasy sequence, it's I would say. More of, yeah, I guess it would be more of a fantasy sequence. You're talking about I got him? I got him. Yeah, he puts I got him. Uh, he has that tattooed in yeah, that spot. Yeah. Um, but if so, if he writes that on the Polaroid, uh, on the Teddy Polaroid, I got him. Mm-hmm. I think unless he is purposely create, you know, giving himself purpose and to create, you know, a, a glorious purpose to go on, uh, and he might allow himself to forget. And but but the thing is, he won't have anybody to help him. Right. So the idea that okay, and he's made a decision that he is the person he's supposed to go after. Um, and those notes are telling him that, yes, Teddy is the one. So it's like, as long as he does, is consistent and does his note taking and puts that on the Polaroid, I got him. So he could later do the tattoo. I think he will be satisfied at that point, but you know, we don't know. Maybe, maybe he is not just with the, uh, affliction that he has his condition but maybe he is totally way past that and needs this to keep needs to keep going on to keep himself grounded you know for a reason but but as far as i think yes in the sense to be consistent with the movie's premise yeah um he's done chris what do you think see i'm not sure um it could go either way mostly because of everything stan said um because it depends on how satisfied he is to keep going. Um, and uh, a lot of the stuff I was reading online about it was like, yeah, this is the only thing really giving him purpose in life now. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's it's funny because when you find out how he uses his own uh, affliction to set forth his revenge, um, it, it's interesting seeing that that current version of himself Essentially, it's like he becomes a new version of himself every time his consciousness drifts and mm-hmm. resets. So it's like you don't know. You really don't because it's like if, if what because there's no plan. He can't really set any sort of future plan to right. like what do I do now? Right. That I'm done? There's no premeditation. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing to go do after. Yeah. Nothing to occupy him. And plus, because he he doesn't really no there's really no indication he because he all he didn't have a chance to record it um he he, he still has natalie as an ally mm-hmm. it, in his in his uh notes and he could easily end up back to her and she could set him down some other path mm-hmm. to, true to, that i i thought he might just end up with her but you're right. I don't know. She no. might continue this because she, oh, sort, she, she sort of starts it and, and oh, you know, does a She uses him play. to immediately yeah. get revenge. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and we're going to discuss Natalie's revenge uh, as, a, as a separate topic. But I agree yeah. with you in that sense. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if he made a note that, yeah, this is the guy I got him. If he, if he wrote that on Teddy's photo after the fact... But then, as I guess, but then he, his the the version of him that comes back and looks at that photo and is like, well, then what do I do? Because mm-hmm. Teddy himself says uh, one of the things at the end, which I I tend to believe most of what Teddy tells him, because Teddy's like, you already found the guy. You, he you know you th- thought it would bring you closure and help your memory, but you still forgot just the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave you a complete police file. You remove stuff. You're, mm-hmm. it's like you're, you seem to be doing this just to give yourself a, a reason to continue. I kind of forgot about the self sabotage part because he purposely redacted sections of the police file. Because he looks at it at some point in the movie and goes, Who blacked this out? Who, blacked, mm-hmm. who did this? That's a good point. Uh, I'm a little less confident in my answer <laughs> uh, after thinking about that and after listening to your explanation than I was. I'm going to say, though, in an uncharacteristically optimistic point of view for me, yeah. I'm going to say that he is, especially 
because of how pessimistic the worldview of the movie is, I, I do think that he found a way in that split death, split second decision, uh, to break the cycle. I hope so. I hope so too. Cause I, I've made a mistake when I said there's no premeditation, but, and there is, but it's only the briefest amount of it because he's not going to remember the that most he, pre- he can muster. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to remember that he premeditated this, but the second he decides to write down Teddy's license plate as a piece of evidence mm-hmm. that sets everything else in motion. Um, so yeah, I think he breaks the cycle, but there's also that part of me that can't help but make things dark. And I think if the movie had gone on five minutes longer, it would end with him getting pulled over by the police Yeah, because he has spent the last three days driving around in a missing person's car That's wearing true. the missing person's clothes. Yeah. Um, and they would find the money and the gun at the back. They'd find the money and the gun and um, he would not be able to give them. Uh, and the moment they're able to get his clothes off and look at his tattoos, see his tattoos and also look at the Polaroids, including mm-hmm. the one of the dead man yep. that he just took. Yeah. Leonard's going to jail. Mm-hmm. Now he which, wouldn't, he wouldn't go to prison prison. He'd go to a psych ward forever, but, which might be best for him. Yeah. Um, in the long run, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it's just me being uh, overly optimistic, but I, I would like to think that that was the end of it for him. That, or there's the tragic one where he just, where he just, when he keeps realizing that he's hit as the end of his quest, he probably just at some point makes a decision in the cycle to just kill himself. Yeah. There's that possibility. You made it even darker than I did. I'm just saying that is a possibility (laughs) with the way this was going. Um, So I think I know the answer to this one before I ask it, but I had to include it anyway um, because it, it, it's something that everyone after they watch this movie thinks about. Would this movie work if told in chronological order? If it had not been presented the way that it is, uh, do you think the story still would have worked, Stan? I mean, I guess the story would have worked, but it wouldn't be as interesting or as gripping of a narrative because it's weird in the way it's paced. You have all these things happening. You have all the climaxes happening at the beginning of the movie, which is actually the end of the cycle, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then it go, it slowly moves into the ex, exposition part of the film, which is usually the beginning, you know, the first 10 minutes, first 15 minutes or whatever, getting all the stuff, explanations out and purposes and reasons. And, and uh, so the pace, you're like, you're like, bam, 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 that first hour you know, first hour and a half. And then the last 15 minutes, you, 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 and the pace actually slows down to Mm -hmm. get, to get all the elongated scenes as opposed to quick boom, boom, boom. Cause every scene previous to the beginning or the, end of the film is like almost climax scenes all the way through i hope our listeners are putting what, <laughs> together what we're saying but uh but so we get to the point where they have to slow the movie down right to get all the stuff out right you know all the all the talky stuff out you get the explanations from joe pants's character yeah you you start seeing all the stuff that actually happened during the attack um uh so he starts getting the real memories back or whatever. Um, he starts see, looking at the photos that he's taken differently and everything stuff that had happened previous to this beginning of this, of this movie. So it's like, so, and I think having it done in this reverse order, which is kind of his viewpoint anyway, mm-hmm. Leonard's viewpoint, uh, it just, you're, you're inside his head already. Um, you're experiencing as he experiences and uh, you're getting information when you literally need to get information and uh, uh, as an audience member. And then so if it was done straight up in in chronological order, we'd be done with it at, by, you know, a third of the way through the movie. Yeah, it would be over, you know, for us as an audience. We'd lose interest. We, we'd lose interest and we'd know everything. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? Oh, God, no. Yeah, you need that gimmick because it, where the weight of the movie rests on it. 
Yeah. Um, you ha- it has to be done that way mm-hmm. because it, it effectively makes sure that the audience is not getting ahead of the main character. You mm-hmm. know <laughs> as much as he knows yeah, at any exactly. given moment, like Stan said. Exactly. Um, it, like, the scene I, like the scene I was quoting at the beginning is when he's running from uh, a, a drug dealer that Natalie sets him after called Dodd. You you cut to a, him running through the middle of, of a, like a residential area, and he goes, "Okay, what am I doing?" And you don't know either. He goes, "Oh, I'm chasing someone." And then he pulls the gun, and then Dodd pulls the gun. Oh, I'm, he's chasing me. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Is he wakes up in a hotel bathroom holding a bottle of liquor yeah. and thinks. I don't feel drunk. And it's not until the next scene that you find out he broke into this guy's hotel room and took that bottle of liquor to bash him over the head with. But he took too long to arrive. Uh, Yeah. So Leonard just sit down and forgot what he was doing to the point where he thinks he's in his hotel room and just just gets up and takes a shower. (laughs) The movie, we talked about this earlier. The movie is um, not completely bleak no, uh, no, throughout it, it does have some humor it's in got, it like um like like i told dave there's a there's a moment that that you only see once we presumably it happens every time and that is when um when leonard's coming into the discount inn, he tries to pull a pu- he tries to push a pull door yeah. just like and he, then he pulls it and he's like you have to assume that i just assume it's like that happens every time mm-hmm. <laughs> and um every moment of humor because it's a surprise to Leonard, it's surprising to us. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it that much more humorous and funny because it literally, he's literally, you're literally experiencing the moment of humor that he does, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, at the time he does. And, 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 really and again, that's what makes the, the, the reason that the, the movie is cut the way it is so important is because it's. It's you are like like you're feeling at the same time he does, and you have to pay just as much attention as Leonard does, because in order for you to understand what's going on, because you're getting it, because you're getting it from well the most unreliable narrator you could ever have. (laughs) Uh, It's 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 like it's especially like the one I think one of the few times you are. You are definitely, you know, ahead of Leonard is the scene where Natalie uses his condition against him, mm-hmm. where, where she comes, where she, or you don't know yet, but she has set Leonard off in order to hit her, mm-hmm. and she will she well, <laughs> and if you don't catch it, it, it's easy to miss. But the first thing she does, she comes in before she starts yelling at him to put to piss him off enough to get hit. Uh, is she starts throwing a bunch of stuff in her purse, and some of it, and one of it is every pen she can get a hold of. Mm-hmm. So she 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 pisses him off, and he he finally rears back and hits her because she's he's done, she's done nothing but insult his wife because she knows he's gonna reset. So she storms well, out. Can't you find a pen? Can't you find your pen, Leonard? Leonard? Yeah, yeah. She's, and then she just storms out and sits in her car and just stares into the house. Mm-hmm. And Leonard's like, "Don't forget, you have to write this down." She just you know blah blah blah. And, focus, but he can't, focus, focus. But he can't find a pen. And it fades, and she mm-hmm. sees it, and then she walks back in and pretends like Dot attacked her. Mm-hmm. That that scene is also great with with its subtle amounts of foreshadowing. In that, um, uh, at the end of the conversation where she is, you know, lying to him that Dot attacked her, all for the purpose of getting him riled up. Yeah. At the very end of that scene, he just like looks down at his hand and like massages his knuckles. Yeah. And has no idea why his hand hurts. And he and he comments on that previously, uh, or I, I forget. I think it might have been before that part in the movie. He comments about you wake up feeling like sad or guilty, and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. So he has the memory of the fact, like inter- internally, is the memory of the fact that he hit her, but he doesn't know why. He doesn't mm-hmm. know why his hand hurts. And I, and and the moment Chris is talking about, I think is also the, I, I believe for me at least, I think it's the first moment where Nolan starts letting us into the joke as well, into the you know he's because he starts doing camera work to show that she's still there Mm -hmm. so there's quick clues that nolan starts to give and uh and it's that scene in the previous scene where he pieced together and says when she has to go to work she just leaves for like a minute Mm -hmm. and comes back in right um could you take the film and just re-edit it with those scenes in order and make it work no but I think it's, it might have been possible, and I'm sure that some studio executive looked at this and said, why don't you just restructure and rewrite it a bit, put it in order? That's going to be too confusing for audiences. 
I'm sure that could be done with enough restructuring and rewriting. It would not be the same film. So no, I no. don't think that it could work. And it's like saying, and I'm pretty sure Nolan. In order. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Nolan probably was presented with that point. And it's like that's the point. You're supposed to be as confused mm-hmm. as Leonard. Yeah. And Pulp Fiction already did it. <laughs> well, I mean, Pulp Fiction did it in a much different, different way. Different well, way. Seinfeld but, did it. <laughs> well, Seinfeld did it. Seinfeld too. had their reverse episode, which was basically you got you started at the end of the episode and it just went back a scene previous. Yeah. It's like, I mean. Well, so we've had some heavy topics. We're going to move into some light ones now before we end on more heavy topics. Um, so my next question is. Wow, how helpful would having a modern-day cell phone have been for Leonard? So much. Um, just having a camera phone? Yeah. If he had... I mean, I'm not going to say Leonard's life would be easy, but it would be easier if he had an iPhone. Camera phone, voice memo, video. Notes. Yeah. Uh, the the notes, the, the discussion topics for this episode are written in my notes on my phone. Yeah. I mean, they would eliminate the need for tattoos. No, yeah, no, and no, ta- especially because hey, he would be able to lock his phone in a way that no one else could open it. He, like he could do like he could set it to a pen, a pen only he knows. Mm-hmm. He, now that could be difficult. If he forgets his pen, pen. Yeah, he would have to keep it somewhere where other people couldn't see it. But he, but he, he could he could have, or he could do fingerprint. You know? Yeah, or face ID. Or face ID. Yeah. As it, but there are ways around. I was thinking about that. I was like the reason I avoided those is like. Yeah, but someone like Natalie could easily figure out how to get him when he's asleep and like put it up against his phone and you know do it that way. Yeah, and if and he would have had to known all that stuff before he had the incident. Yeah, that's that a he, good point. Because yeah. that, because he, he had he still yeah. had memories. Yeah, his memories before the accident are fully intact. Yes. Yeah. So so he would have had to learn how to do all the you know, a voice recognition the face stuff he had been doing that before which as a character he may have so the movie would have to have started at least in 2010 like right. before the yeah. been before the incident right. yeah yeah um what a what a very different movie that would have been oh, if leonard oh, had an iphone imagine if he also had social media to help him remember stuff <laughs> like 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 he like people were following this weird twitter account by a guy with no uh short-term memory i don't know what i did he yesterday. gets a dm from a family member that's like leonard you've posted the same status five times today <laughs> you you've shared the same meme six times um and my next uh, question for you guys is did either of you want to go out and get a bunch of tattoos like i did after watching this movie no i'm good um i have one i also have a tattoo but every time i watch this movie i'm like oh, I want to go and get a bunch of tattoos. Well, it just yeah. makes it look so easy. Like this, <laughs> it does. Leonard shows no pain, and he's getting tattoos on very sensitive parts of his body. Mm-hmm. And at one point, we see him preparing to tattoo himself yeah. using a bic pen and a sewing needle and yeah. a lighter, yep. which looks like it would be enormously on his, painful on his left thigh. Which I can't remember where, but one of the thighs is where the carotid is, and if you're not careful, that's a vein that could, you know, if you hit that. Oh, it runs down the thighs of both legs. Oh, the yeah, not the carotid femoral. Yeah, the femoral, femoral artery. artery. You nick that, and you don't staunch the bleeding in time. You bleed out and die. Yeah. I'm not so, saying he's jabbing that thing deep, but that's not a good thing. Yeah, but I mean, he. You have to be. In order to get the ink into your skin and let it stay there, it has to be going deep. So yep. he's really got to be stabbing the shit out of himself. He's, but he's not going to remember the pain. Oh, that's he, a good. Well, he's no, gonna he's going to wake up. He's going like, to remember. He's why gonna, does my leg hurt? Why does my leg hurt? Yeah. Oh, and that. Oh, there's because he was finding all the bandages from. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like in one oh, of the black why, and why white segments itch. when he's on the phone and he uncovers the and never answer the phone never tattoo. <laughs> Um, he also has to remember to clean those. Yes. Because like you're supposed to put a special kind of lotion over them and keep them covered while you bathe for a while until the ink sets. I, I'm, I'm sure there are tattoos I, on his body that he forgot about, and now they're runny and faded. And he's and like, they what might, was this? Um, but I think that's also, it's interesting that he only has, like, has text and numbers. He, d- he doesn't have like the colored in uh pictorial style tattoos so it's like the only it's one not, it's not as intense when you when it's just letters and numbers because you don't have one, to go as deep and it'll set quicker so. the only one that was super stylized was the never answer the phone one never mm-hmm. answer the phone was stylized. well yeah there are a couple that are more stylized in different fonts and different right. sizes right. over right. the body but yeah um the never answer the phone one it's 
jarring in context, but it's also kind of silly when you look at the size <laughs> uh-huh. of the tattoo and the, the font that they used. Also, that tattoo had to have been fucking painful. Yeah. Like the and amount of new. ink. It's block letters. It tapers down. It's it's very specific in how it's done. And also, I can't imagine, like, you know, essentially blacking out in the middle of getting a tattoo and you come to, you don't remember why you're there. You don't remember what tattoo you're getting. No, no. Actually, maybe that's why he does the tattoos, because he wouldn't black out while constantly getting jabbed. Oh, that's a good point. And it would help remind, like, his concentration would stay on the fact that he's getting tattooed. That's probably the longest he goes without blacking out. Yeah. And I believe, and I think this is one of the reasons why he started doing it himself, that is the tattoo he actually goes to the parlor for, is the never answer the phone. And the license plate. He yeah, does yeah. do the license plate. Well, I think that's just a matter of, well, that's just a matter of enacting his revenge because he's driving down and he spots the tattoo parlor oh. just right there. And he's holding at, uh, it's just a perfect storm because he had just written it down. He's still holding the note card that says yeah. uh, fact number, I think, six with yeah. the license plate. And he sees a tattoo parlor and stops. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to wonder, did he do the John G one across his collar? That, I can't. Im- I don't know how you would because it looks like one of the home home done ones, mm-hmm. but it's in. Su- but having to do it in reverse across his chest, like someone had, because somebody had to have done that for. Yeah, him. it's like prison style, like yeah. where it's like home home done, homemade. And also, yeah, a tattoo across your collarbone, right across his neck, the way it is. God, that had to have been hella painful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on into more serious stuff again. After I had to add some levity to the podcast. It's the topic sandwich. <clears throat> yeah. Um, was Teddy telling Leonard the truth at the end slash beginning? End of movie. <clears throat> end of movie beginning a story. Stan, what do you think? Was he telling Leonard the truth or was he manipulating him? I, Yeah, he was telling him the truth. Um, you think so? I, I, I think because... Uh, I think he stopped being a corrupt bad cop a long time ago, and now his job basically is just escorting Leonard around. Um, Because it sets it up, since it's going in reverse order, that he's this kind of wacky and that he is a killer and he's just keeping Leonard in check before he's found out. Um, But he's legitimately surprised at a lot of stuff that, Leonard keeps doing um and I think you know and you had because he says he's been we we've been doing this for a year right um yeah I think he said he alludes to it's been over a year since I we you actually killed the guy the second person the second person and now we're just we're just adding JG's you know Mm -hmm. John G's to the list and I'm a John G because he even tells you know at the beginning you get the I'm a I'm a John G um, Teddy is what I call myself. My mom calls me John G, or you know, reverse. Uh, you, my mom, or my mom called me Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. And uh, um, so yeah, and you know, it starts out. You know, you know, Leonard writes, "Don't believe his lies." When he figures, you know, so no, this can't be true. You know, it's like, no, I need to keep doing this. You know, so don't believe his lies. Um, and he hadn't written that before. You know, in this year-long thing, so maybe um, he was the second person in the room, and he just like we we've already found this, and I already know about your condition, so I can use this against you. But but for the purpose of you know, especially if we're going to go with the optimistic ending, and that he's done what he needed to do, and he can retire from this quest now, um, and it, it that just makes it even more. In, intense that he did actually do the wrong guy mm-hmm. you know where if if teddy was the right guy to kill in the first place then okay may, now we can totally okay he deserved to die but if he actually is the wrong guy which he was afraid of doing the whole movie mm-hmm. killing the wrong guy and it turns out teddy might be the wrong guy that we know that we know that he's the wrong guy if if we believe his story at the begin or at the end of the movie. Yeah. So. Chris, was Teddy telling the truth? I think Teddy was telling the truth, but it's not like he was some innocent creature. I oh, mean, right. Absolutely. I mean, I I I 
kind of I kind of disagree with a little bit of Stan's reasoning, but my my idea is he t- I think he told him the truth. I think he was like I think he was like he's 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 not it wasn't like a super corrupt cop, but he he wasn't a good cop. He was right. he was a bad cop, right. but he fe- like he did. He felt some sort of uh, you know, he felt some so bad about what how the how things went down for Leonard because mm-hmm. he was the responding cop, right? Right, he, right. He, he, uh, for when the yeah he's yeah and he's the reason happened. that he got the file because mm-hmm. he's the one who's able to tell him why is there stuff missing from that file? I yeah. gave you a complete one, and I believe that, and I and I and I I believe that he helped him find the the other guy, and I think I think he's right. It was just some. It was just. So I think he's right. I think it was just like two guys who tried to break in the house. They didn't realize she didn't live. His wife didn't live alone. Yeah. And I think you know I, I think they <clears throat> found the guy, and they got him. And he was and I and as I think he's right. It's like he was hoping he'd remember that it would help him get some closure, and it didn't. And now you got this guy who's still. And I think part of what set him on this path was. It he he was probably already trying really hard to find his wife, and he was probably becoming like you know people in the area know him because of what he's been doing, yeah, going around trying to solve the solve solve the, the his wife's murder. So he's like, if I do this for him, and it clicks for him, then he can have closure, and he and it'll finally just like get him out of here. It'll, it'll you know and he'll get some you know it's like and and Teddy gets some basically reflected piece off of that Hell, did yeah. a good thing I feel okay but it didn't work out that way and it's like well fuck he's still gonna be storming around and asking trying, questions and flashing do, pictures yeah and all that so it's like well shit let's put him to, let's put him to work and take care of, you know yeah take care of shit yeah I mean the <clears throat> end of the movie beginning of the story is a a win 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 for Teddy yeah because. He quote unquote helped Leonard get the guy he's after. Yeah. He took out indirectly a major drug dealer. Yeah. Who Teddy tricked into coming for part of a deal. And he made $200,000 off the deal. Yeah. Because John G in this case, uh, Jimmy Grant, uh, he's a big time local drug dealer. And so everything comes up roses for Teddy at that moment. Now, obviously it doesn't work out for him, but Teddy, yeah. Once you start peeling away the layers, it's very conflicting because on the one hand, is he actually helping Leonard? Yeah. To a degree, he's helping him get his revenge and he already, he was. And I think he said, and I think he was, you know, using him and pointing other directions to again, help him have purpose Yeah, because he realized he was going to keep doing this and keep him kind of contained. And I think at some point he was starting to realize, Oh God, I can't control him anymore. And I think he does have Leonard's best interests in heart at heart because he does try to tell him repeatedly that you need to get out of town. You need to ditch that car. You need to get rid of these clothes. He shows up at the tattoo parlor with a change of clothes being like, we need to get you out of here. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Teddy is responsible for the drug dealer or not. He's responsible for Jimmy's death. Yes. He set that entire plan into motion. And Jimmy admits him. I mean, when Jim, when 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 uh, Leonard asks him about the cop, mm-hmm. what does Teddy tell him? He tells him a ba- he's a bad cop who set you up. Yeah, he he basically tells on himself. Yeah. So, uh, it, like Teddy's a frustrating character and presents a frustrating situation here because how knowing what we know about Teddy, knowing that he is manipulative, knowing that he is also looking out for himself. I mean, he saw a way to make 200 grand off the situation in this bogus deal yeah. with Jimmy. At the end, you learn that's why he was trying to get the car the whole time. Yeah, that's something that I've seen this movie countless times, and it took reading TV tropes to catch it. At the very, well, throughout the movie, every time they're together, Teddy is trying to get Leonard to give him his keys to let him drive his car, which is actually Jimmy's car. And then at the very end, uh, Leonard pops the trunk and you see that there is a box with $200,000 in it and a gun. So Teddy has been, has spent the entire movie trying to get to that money unsuccessfully. Um, but knowing what we know about Teddy, it's hard 
to take at face value everything that he says. Oh yeah, no, no, he's he's. You can kind of tell because of how buddy and chum chum he is with Leonard. It's like he's trying to get something over on him too. But I, I think ultimate. But ultimately, he's not. He, you can tell, I and mean, yeah, he's using him, and just like Natalie's using him, but man, Natalie's way more mercenary about it. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you. That leads perfectly into our last uh, discussion topic. Natalie, as played by Carrie Ann Moss, mm-hmm. um, Natalie in the film was the girlfriend of Jimmy, the drug dealer that Leonard kills at the beginning slash end of the story. Um, and a pretty fucking heartless character as we find out in these reverse scenes you know from our perspective as the audience and also from leonard's perspective um when he encounters her at the diner near the beginning of the movie she's giving him information that he needs to find john g and then we find out that he spent the night at her place and slept in the same bed as her and then found out that uh, somebody beat her up and that he needs to go after this person then he finds out that he is we find out that she manipulated him into hitting her um so with all of this in the mind, whole spitting contest, the spitting well, yeah, in the beer, and you find out that like it's because, uh, because he found the coaster that was in the coat pocket that was saying "come by after," which mm-hmm. was meant for Jimmy. That when he pulls up and she goes, "Hey, Jimmy," and she looks at him and he's like, and she's, "Oh, sorry, my mistake." She immediately knows what's happened and is setting into motion whatever she can do. To- oh yeah, the wheels start turning immediately. <laughs> so the question is. Is and I I realized the answer to this myself after I wrote this out and sent it to you guys. But is Natalie a manipulative bitch, or is she just better at getting revenge than Leonard? And I think the answer is both. Yeah, I think we can all agree <laughs> the answer to that is both. Yeah. Um, when she realized the extent of his condition, she was like, "I'm using this." And uh, as somebody, I'd like to say this is original thought and original thought, but it's not. Somebody on Reddit actually did their own edit of this chronologically. And they said that while it doesn't work as well thematically, um, it completely changes the way you see the story to watch it chronologically, because instead of finding out that characters have been manipulating Leonard and that he has been tricked and that he has been lying to himself, instead you are now watching characters manipulate him basically in real time and then watching him lie to himself. And Mm -hmm. they said it makes the whole movie that much creepier and harder to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Natalie's story, uh, her character arc is so interesting in reverse Yeah, because as an audience member watching it, you watch what you assume to be a decent character be revealed to be a manipulative bitch chronologically you watch her go from that to softening to Leonard right to coming to sympathize with him Mm -hmm. and ultimately making the decision to help him out. Right. And it's a reverse. It's the reverse arc of what you thought you were seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause also, cause also when I, when I was at the beginning of the movie, she's, totally completely or at least in my view she was totally in his corner mm-hmm. and on his side and she found a kindred spirit you know so it's like but then you find out you know she had to basically kill his kill her manipulative boyfriend you know and it's like but it's like well uh, mm. she she tried to sick him on one of uh, yeah. jimmy's uh, associates yeah she, Named she runs it no no dodd no, she oh, runs. That was Dodd. That's she right. runs That's Dodd right. out of town, yes. basically. She uh, she had hoped he would kill him, but but uh, she, she they just end up running him out of town. Mm-hmm. But as it's inter- it was just interesting to think of, think about. It's like you, you 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 can. I'm not saying I'm super smart, but I got I got the feeling like you you kind of get it from the get go. It's it's kind of a red herring with Teddy. You get it from the get go. That's like mm, something's up with this guy. Mm-hmm. But you but also. As you hear, as you think about what Leonard's talking about, how about memory and how you know how he has you know, how in his previous job he had to read people. Mm-hmm. So that was especially that part. Is like you have to look people in the eye and read them. And it's like, oh, something's up with Natalie too because mm-hmm. he's, he can't really read people like that anymore. He has to trust people to a degree that they're saying 
the right that they're saying what they what they mean and so i was like i was kind of i was kind of i was very suspicious of natalie and then when i heard the thing about teddy about talking about how you know they relay messages mm-hmm. for the drug deals in the bar and then you know he has the 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 uh the coaster, coaster. it's like it's coming together it's like okay so you know he's right about them plus he she was dating a drug dealer and she you know she had to have known and when you think about what those three days because it's a very short time span the movie takes place over but if you think about those three days chronologically for natalie one afternoon she's at work she walks outside she sees her boyfriend's car pull up she looks inside that's not her boyfriend but but he's he's wearing her boyfriend's clothes Uh and driving his car and has no idea what she's talking about um is she like we said? She starts putting the pieces together immediately. Uh, the wheels start turning. She starts figuring out how she can use this to her advantage. But once she realizes that this is legit and that this is, I mean, this is a life ruiner for him. And she sees firsthand from listening to him talk just how severe the condition is and what his living conditions are like. It's. That that's the part that I think I'd be interested in watching chronologically more so than anything else in the movie is how that relationship progresses chronologically. If we had uh, money for every time that I've said the word chronologically on this episode <laughs> alone, I think it, we could fund this podcast for the next thirty years. I think it's interesting because basically, especially uh, going in the correct order of time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it's it's funny because you basically learn you know Teddy, essentially it tried to have have his redemption with helping Leonard find his killer, but it didn't take. And now what the fuck do you do? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of and kind of in the span of those three days, Natalie has one essentially, where it's like she she wants her revenge. She basically gets it, and then she's also as she figures out just what what it's like for Leonard she fe- she feels more sympathetic with him and over those 3 days i think that natalie realizes that it's not Leonard she needs to get revenge on right. it's teddy that she needs to get revenge then, on yeah, cuz she gets you know cuz basically Leonard gives her access to all his you know notes mm-hmm. and everything so she figures that out pretty quick i'm betting yeah and especially once she once he gives her the license plate number and she pulls that file and sees she puts two and two together Uh, I mean, by making the decision, we can debate the character and his intentions all day long of Teddy. As soon as Teddy set into motion the plan to have Leonard kill Jimmy, he wrote his own ticket. Yeah. Like that was the beginning of the end for him. And I think going back to does does Leonard stop after this? Natalie might help him stop as in when he goes back to her. She may finally relay, like, okay, you got him. Yeah. And she may actually be able to close, if she decides to, close out the the cycle. Yeah. And maybe convince him to stick around with her in some capacity. And do drugs. <laughs> or sick. Or well, that's she, the last thing that Leonard needs. Or to, is, or to go darker, like she she keeps sicking him on people in I some do, fashion. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, he just goes from one person who's manipulating him to another. Because I'm not I'm not saying she's fully redeemed herself. Because I mean, you don't know for sure whether or not that scene. Like I just spent the last I think five minutes praising the character of Natalie, but especially praising Kiri and Moss's performance. Mm-hmm. But my God, that scene where she. Uh, goads him into hitting her oh, is God. so tough to watch. She, I mean, she is so fucking. Carrie Ann Moss is so yeah. good in that scene. I can say whatever Cunt the fuck I want. You won't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's hard to watch. Um, yeah that that was my uh, my list of topics that I came up with. Do you guys have any final thoughts about Memento that you'd like to share? I mean, I'll say what I told you after I watched it last night, which was it's not something... I mean, people who've actually listened to this podcast would probably have a good idea of my tastes mm-hmm. at this point. But it's like, it's not it's not something I, I would find myself gravitating towards or like just like seeking out, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I told Dave, I was like, I'm sorry if this sounds backhanded, but it's not. It's like, but, you know, I... I, I watched it, and I'm glad I did. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Stan, do you have any thoughts? Um, I was I was afraid that I might have 
a David Hensley response to a movie I haven't seen in forever and that I go back, I'm like, oh, excited, I'll excited, this is good. <laughs> and then it turns out to be nothing like I remembered, you know, like your this has been ref- and Bob stuff. This uh, has been refreshing for me for something to be as good as I remember <laughs> yes, it being. Yes, and uh, it was. It, I, I liked it better this viewing than I remember liking it when I first saw it because I had seen, you know, the Batman Begins and uh, Dark Knight. Those were my those were my introductions to Nolan. Mm-hmm. So it's like to go back and watch when I first saw Memento, it was after seeing, uh, I guess it would have been dark Knight, might've been Batman, but I think dark Knight. And then, then I went back and, Oh, I need to catch up on Nolan. And, and I think I may have seen insomnia, which we're not going to talk about, but the idea that I'd seen insomnia previous to, um, seeing Memento the first time. And I wasn't as, Oh man, this has already been done with Paul. I was, I was more like that, you know, this this has been done before and so i was like i really enjoyed it this time because i had that distance and it, it didn't come back so i actually liked it better mm-hmm. you know and and got involved in the retelling the backwards telling and and being surprised when he's surprised and laughing when he laughs or you know finds humor in something and so it's like when he has to hang up on the guy the first time when he sees the tattoos i never answer the phone just the well uh, just the time that seems interesting because he's he's talking he reads the tattoo and he goes who is this and and you hear the the guy hang up it's just um so yeah and it's just like um i oh yeah this is this is early Nolan. We get to see his progression, you know. So now, now as we watch, you know, now when we get to the Batman, I'm scared that I might not like the Batman <laughs> films. Actually, I do love. I did watch uh, Batman Begins earlier, so um, uh, and I loved it, of course. But uh, the idea that we get a lot of what we get later with Nolan, but it's not a similar story. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, that's like like we get a lot of Kevin Smith in all of his movies. So mm-hmm. it's like you see, okay, this is a Kevin Smith movie. This is a Kevin Smith movie. And it took it took Tarantino a couple movies before, oh, this, you know, Jackie Brown finally was not a typical Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where now we get to see Nolan doesn't repeat himself much. He repeats themes. Which is common among all directors. Right. Because we're going to see things reoccur throughout all the movies that we're discussing from him. But there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, this isn't necessarily typical Nolan. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even if his time travel stuff, it's not not everyone is Nolan time travel. Mm -hmm. You know, like Spike Lee, uh, it took him a while before. He's very comfortable shifting genres. Exactly. Yeah. And it took Spike Lee a few... uh, six films before oh wait that wasn't necessary you know when we get to clockers oh wait spike lee's name is just on it that wasn't necessarily a typical spike lee movie yeah you know so that idea that uh we get to see the beginning i we get to see that we have gotten to see the beginning of nolan again so it's like so yeah i enjoyed it much more this second view and i was i was like wow 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 Oh wow, that was funny. Oh shit, that wasn't too funny. Oh man, you know. So it's like I was surprised. So you were like a little kid. I was, and it was just surprising how joyful, even in the dark stuff, that I had experiencing as Leonard was experiencing. So that I'm, was really fun. I'm gonna start slipping you an ambient right at the start of every <laughs> episode. Um, like I, I, I did actually talking about that. It was a really funny kind of joke where he. Leonard hated the fact that his wife called him Lenny. Right. Mm-hmm. As and it's a I'm and it's a direct reference to of mice and men. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was all right. <laughs> good, good. And like I said, this is one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. It might be my number one film. Um it's this film is a perfect storm of everything I love. It is very heavily noir inspired, uh, you know, a twist on the modern day detective story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole cast is brilliant. Uh, Guy Pierce is at his best. Kyrie Ann Moss and Joe Pantoliano are brilliant. Even characters with smaller roles like Mark Boone Jr. as Great. the desk clerk at the hotel Wonderful. is fantastic. Um, well, who played um, Sammy Jenkins' wife? I 
God, I need to look that up. And I then meant there's to, I meant to look young that up. Georgia Fox as yep. Guy Pierce as, f- as Lenny's wife. Any fans of uh, CSI? ER, CSI, um, and she looks so good. Oh, that was oh, also uh, Stephen Tobolowski. Yes. we haven't talked yes. about his character, but he, he's an amazing actor. He is. He's fantastic. Harriet Sampson Harris played Sammy's okay, cause I, non-existent. I, we find out wife because she's she's another great like like Stephen Tobolowski, another great character actor who yeah. you you when you see her face, she's one of those actresses. I I know that person. I Chris. Yeah, Thomas Lennon is the doctor from Reno Nine One One. Yeah, which in what scene? Uh, the, when uh, Leonard is talking about Sammy Jacobs's um, uh, psychological oh, exams, he was so young looking. I did not. Recognize I know. I didn't him. either. Holy and, and shit! Play, that's why he plays a doctor in Dark Knight in the Dark Knight or Rises or yeah, it's Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's why he's a doctor in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Callum Keith Rennie is in it. Holy shit! I, yeah, there's a lot of great people playing small roles mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but yeah, I and Guy Pierce is great. I I don't remember a lot of stuff I, I I've seen him in, but he's definitely he definitely nails it in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it if I had to have one complaint about the movie, um, I would say that it does veer into melodrama at times, but it still fits the theme uh, and the genre. Yeah, and um, it's not enough of a detractor. And what did you think were the melodramatic moments? Um, the entire scene with him and the call girl, mm-hmm. it works for the story, but it is, um, it, it played out very melodramatically and I didn't write them down, he, but there, there are several lines throughout the film that oh, are, well, I guess that plus the, the burning, uh, is, yeah, you're right. Cause it's like, he's trying to spark, a, uh, basically get his brain to, jog itself yeah Uh, and there are just several lines that are very like fresh out of film school kind of lines i do like the melodramatic one that turns into a a very dark joke which is when natalie meets him uh, after she's talked to him at the bar and he goes and sits down at a booth or a table and she's talking about his memory problems she goes well what do you what do you remember my wife Oh, that's sweet. Dying. <laughs> the scene that was used in every single trailer for this movie. I remember that from 2001, watching the trailer, and that being like the hook of uh, the mystery in all the trailers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Memento. Highly recommended. Check it out if you can. And it's interesting trying to, and I, I think it's interesting trying to figure out just how much of what he remembered post-accident, he transplanted onto Sammy Jankus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that whole subplot, but that's probably better off. Uh, we we spoiled a lot of things in this movie, if you're listening to this and still haven't seen it. but well, it, it's, it's funny. I was going to mention about that. It's like, at this point on, like, before I sat down and finally, this was my first actual front-to-back viewing of the movie. It's like, it's been talked about Back for years. <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> um, before the time I actually sat down and watched it completely, it's like I'd, I'd heard it talked about for years, and I'd already I already knew the big secret because mm-hmm. I went ahead and read about it one day. It's like this is one movie. Well, again, spoilers never bother me, mm-hmm. if it, especially if it's a good movie. Right. You won't care. Yeah. Because it's like I know the summary of a lot of great classic novels, but I'm sure if I sat down and read it, I'd still enjoy it. Yeah. And that's the thing about a good movie when it's made. It's like that's not going to matter. Because once you see it, how it's put together, it's going to be great, and it was. Yeah, it's like this knowing knowing the actual end of the movie doesn't hurt a thing because that journey to it is very well done. I did not see uh, Leonard doing what he did at the end coming at all. Yeah. Well, uh, so moving forward throughout our, uh, like I said, selected filmography of Christopher Nolan, we're going to be skipping around because um, after this, he released Insomnia in 2002. We're not going to be talking about that film. Instead, next, we're going to go to 2006's The Prestige. And we're doing that because we're going to be talking about all the Batman films in one episode. So coming up in August, we're going to have that episode about The Prestige before September. We talk about the Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, there's a WWE pay-per-view coming up. Is it SummerSlam? No. No, it's not. I... Hell, no, we just had Hell in a Cell. No, uh, it, SummerSlam usually doesn't happen until August. Oh, um, okay. 
Yeah, whatever. There's a WWE pay-per-view coming up. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what the NXT schedule is like, but uh, there's, hopefully... There's an event coming soon. Um, yeah, but so hopefully we'll be getting another episode of uh, This is a Takeover out soon, because that's the most popular show on this network. So, Stan, people don't want to reach out to you online, and you don't want people to reach out to you online, do you? Touch me. Don't. Okay. <laughs> it's Money in the Bank. Oh, that's right. Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. That's Isn't coming that up. Isn't that the one you hate, though? No, that one can be fun. Okay. All right. And that's coming up uh, the weekend of the, that's the 19th, 18th, 18th. Okay. So we'll have that episode coming out soon. Um, There's not a takeover again until, well, they just had one at the end of June. So there's not one again. It doesn't have one listed, but I'm sure they'll be. Yeah. Uh, Chris, if people want to find you and reach out to you online, where can they do that at? Uh, Twitter, I guess. Uh, Chris the Okay. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Instagram at DB Hensley. If you want to keep up with Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or search for Long Walk Productions and Long Walk Podcasts on Facebook. To see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on this network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out. Dave, why do I have this photo of you that has Don't Believe His Lies written on it? (laughs) 